Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey everybody, welcome to God's Whole Story. My name is Ryan. I'm here today with Chelsea, and guess what? We're in Jeremiah. Bet you didn't know that. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, Chelsea... Actually, I heard you're very excited to talk about a certain topic that seems oh gosh, very saying, strange. Keep saying I'm excited to talk about things, and excited is the wrong word. Nope, she's very excited. I just have things to say. She cannot wait to talk about this topic, and once you know what it is, that'll you'll understand why it's weird. Go ahead. Jeremiah's loincloth. Ah, gross. <laughs> Jeremiah's loincloth. That seems very personal. <laughs> so I'm not excited about it. Okay. Those are your words, not mine. Uh, so... What is interesting to me about Jeremiah and all the weird things he has to do? This is one of the weirdest things. What's has, a loincloth? Um, I don't, I don't know. I think it's underwear. I think it's underwear. Yeah, but I'm not. Gonna, I don't have a biblical definition for loincloth. Well, I think it's. I think it's actually just the worldly definition. <laughs> underwear. Can you imagine the marketing behind loincloths right now? <laughs> like in 2021. <laughs> okay, we're gonna keep going. Bonus episode. <laughs> So this is one of the weirder things that Jeremiah is asked to do. He's asked to buy um, a loincloth, not wash it, and go and bury it in the Euphrates River and then dig it back up. Again, <laughs> some weird stuff happening. Basic discipleship kind of stuff. <laughs> but I, I just, I feel for Jeremiah because he's asked to do such weird things. And again, this is one of the weirdest things. Um, but it's it's he's asked to do weird things because they are like physical pictures of what God's trying to tell his people. So the meaning of the loincloth is... God is very intimate with his people of Israel and Judah. It even says it in the verse that as a loincloth clings to a man's waist, so I created Judah and Israel to cling to me. Um, that is the meaning behind loincloth. That's why he chose that particular piece of clothing. Burying it in the Euphrates River. Um, I, I read this devotional on Gospel Coalition that has stuck with me about this. This is why I was like, I have something to say about this. This is Chelsea's favorite devotional. <laughs> it's like it's like when, when you went to a retreat and it changed your life. Chelsea read this devotional no. and it changed her life forever. <laughs> it changed the way I read this passage. Yeah, sure. <laughs> also, who else read this passage today? Hopefully lots. <laughs> so Jeremiah is asked to bury this loincloth just like God buries um, Judah in Babylon. Um, and it says after many days, he's asked to get, dig it back up and it's all rotted out. Um, one of the things that happens is God buries, quote unquote, Judah in Babylon and their idolatry is rotted out, which after they leave exile and come back, you need to correct me if I'm wrong. I read this in a devotional, <laughs> but like it was from the Gospel they, Coalition. <laughs> yeah, we like them. Um, when they come back out of exile, idolatry isn't something that they really struggle with anymore. So God buries them deep in this culture of idolatry, and it's the the devotional likened it to like. Back in our grandparents' day, when you got caught smoking a cigarette, you got sent to a closet or an outhouse with a pack of cigarettes, and you had to smoke them all until you threw up. <laughs> it's like that's old school discipline. <laughs> old school discipline. So you kind of linked it to this. It's like it's old school discipline. He's like, all right, if you're going to keep worshiping idols, I'm going to bury you in idolatry. And then when they come back, they have their problems with religion and Pharisees and all those things, but idolatry is not something that they struggle with when it comes to the New Testament. Am I wrong when I say that? Uh, well, I'm, I'm reminded of a passage, I think it's 1 Corinthians 5, um, which you may need to correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I think for... I guys, I don't have this in front of me, so if you look it up and it's not exactly right, um, you can send me hate mail. Right, cool. uh, 1 Corinthians 5, <laughs> uh, 
Paul's dealing with a, a church member in the Corinthian church um, who is practicing sexual immorality. It's like a very unique kind. I think a guy is like married to his mother-in-law. former mother-in-law yeah. or active mother-in-law or whatever. Um, but it's the passage where Paul basically says like, they should be cut off, like remove this person from your midst. Um, and like, there's very strong language. I think it's like um, release him to the devil or something. Thanks. Again, I'm not <laughs> quoting scripture. You do need to look that up for yourself. Um, I wish I you could see there's up. there's people in here furiously turning pages <laughs> to see if they can. We have a team of people that are fact-checking <laughs> us all the time. Uh, <laughs> That's so not true. <laughs> the, the point being, um, Paul was basically saying, like, people who fall so far into the practice of evil, they should be released into that evil because it's what their heart is desiring anyway. And it's actually uh, painful, hurtful to the church to allow that kind of stuff to continue. You're right. Sorry, I'm going to interrupt you just to say congratulations. You're very good at this. <laughs> um, thank you. Uh, I, don't, I don't know, I don't know what to do was, with that, guys. But it was a stepmother. Um, so you were wrong about that. Oh, stepmother. There you go. <laughs> just to keep you humble. Okay. Um, anyway, it's it's kind of like a... It, it's not exactly the same of what you're referring to, but it is similar. And sometimes it throws people off. Like, hey, isn't the church like all about love and all about accepting? And it's like, well, yeah, kind of. Except for when you're a professing believer and you're just committed to sin. That's when it's time to be like, nope, you don't belong here. The interesting thing that nobody talks about is um, the beginning of 2 Corinthians starts, there is a, a couple passages about that guy uh-huh. and how important it is to seek him and bring him back into fellowship with the community. Mm-hmm. So here you have Jeremiah burning his underwear, guys, uh, <laughs> in the river because God is trying to show, like, we're going to cast people out, give them over to their sin. Um, but we're going to, in that process, hopefully remove their sin and restore them to what they were intended to be. Mm-hmm. So this is where New Testament church discipline is actually rooted in Old Testament practice. Yeah. So one of my favorite things to talk about. <laughs> Why do you get cool topics and I get one class to talk about? Well, I mean, you, you set it up. You gave the... <laughs> no, Hey, can you, you get that, can you get that thing under there? What? You're supposed to say underwear. Oh. <laughs> oh my gosh. You missed it. Sorry. <laughs> Okay. Do you have any other? No, just that I just like, if we wanted to put it in 21st century terms, it would kind of be like hitting rock bottom. Yeah. Sometimes you just have to let somebody hit rock bottom. (laughs) And it is particularly unpopular when the church does that because there is this lie that the church is all about just accepting everyone wherever they are at any point in time. And it's just not true because that's not what God does. Um, and it is something to be handled with a lot of caution. A lot yeah. of churches have done this incorrectly yeah. and hurt a lot of people. Um, a lot of churches have had like different standards for different people, which hurts people a lot. Yeah. And if there's a specific situation where someone is buried deep in sin, I think, and you were like looking out for that person, you care for that person. You need to listen to the Holy Spirit about like what your next step is. It does I, this is not a prescription to like, say, let them go. It's listen to the Holy Spirit. It is almost never let them go. Right. Um, Another example, Matthew 18, I think. Um, Hold on. (laughs) It's like the, um, I think it is. It's like the passage that's like, if somebody is at fault, go first with your friend and then take them to the, like, is that Matthew 18? I think so. Um, So what does Jesus say at the end of Matthew 18? What are you supposed to do with that person when they are ultimately removed? Treat them like you would um, a tax collector, I think. Yeah, that maybe? I don't know. <laughs> I think um, you could say anything, and I'd be like, "Okay." Well, that's the problem because sometimes <laughs> it's not true. Um, 
what's interesting with that passage that gets quoted a lot in these disciplined situations is that how did Jesus treat tax collectors? Yeah, with a lot of love. With a lot of love. He purposely sought them out. So sometimes we read that passage and we're like, well, cast him out like a tax collector. It's like, well, actually, Jesus cared a lot about tax collectors to the point of allowing the religious people to be offended by how much he loved them. Hmm. Um, So what often is missed, just to tie this back to Jeremiah, I promise it has something to do with Jeremiah, (laughs) to tie this back in, um, discipline by God, it is harsh. And you do feel like removed. You do feel alone when these people, there's several generations that grew up in Babylon. They didn't know Jerusalem at all. They felt cut off. But God always seeks restoration. That's why he calls us ministers of reconciliation. So what happens a lot of times we do one without the other. Like we're really great at restoration without any discipline or we're really good at discipline without any restoration. Yeah. So yeah. And to be certain that the Lord does couch all these things yeah. with, I'm going to bring them back. Yes. Which is, there's always hope. <laughs> so we do need to discipline people. We do need to call people to a higher standard because we are the, the church of Christ. Right. But we also need to restore people who who fall. Right. And not and not underestimate the power of the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else? Yeah. Another thing I would like to look at is Jeremiah 14, uh, starting in verse 13. And this is kind of an interesting problem. Um, so Jeremiah is in this conversation with the Lord and he says, then I said, Oh, sovereign Lord, their prophets are telling them all is well, no war or famine will come. The Lord will surely send you peace. So at this time, uh, in Judah, particularly in Jerusalem, they had priests, like they had religious figures who were actively telling them like, stop worrying. Everything's fine. Like what you're doing is good. God is pleased. This guy that's telling you about war and famine and judgment. That's a lie. That's not true. The man who lives in terror. The guy that's out there burning his underwear, nobody understands why. I mean, actually, it's not hard to make that case. Right. Yeah, that guy that was burning the underwear, he's, he's wrong. You know how you thought he was weird? He is. Um, so there's an interesting question that comes out of this. There's a very active community that is telling them that everything they're doing is fine. Uh, and there's a pretty active minority of one person, Jeremiah, who's saying, no, this is not fine. So the question is, like, how do you know? Like, if you were a person in this time, how would you decide what voice to listen to? Because you have this very loud voice that's like, keep doing what you're doing. God loves you. God is bringing peace and he's bringing prosperity. And it's all because he loves us. And you have this crazy guy digging up underwear on the beach. That's like, no, God's going to judge you. Who would you want to listen to? <laughs> well, you know how I feel about wine glass. So um, <laughs> I I think I want to... I want to go to the problem of like of priests teaching the wrong thing. But when I think back in context, these people would have known what God was saying. They would have known the law because they learned it orally. Like they, they learned it. They have it memorized. They would have a high level of scripture memorized, most likely the first five books of the Bible. Right. Which is all about the law, which is all about caring for the widows and orphans and um, not, uh, marginalizing the foreigner, all those things. So they know that what they're doing is wrong. But but the priest so, said it's fine. But it's so much easier to listen to someone who says you're doing great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, it's what you need to be able to do is know who God is and what He says. I think a big part of it is you have to know who God is. Um, the the most the most readily available way to know who God is, is to study the Bible. Like we are so blessed to have such a high level of access to the Bible. Um, But another part of knowing who God is, is to like actually actively worship him. I'm not talking just singing cool songs. I'm talking like 
live a life that reflects the glory of God. That's how you worship. Um, because when you are studying who God is, like you're learning the features of who God is on like a deeper level that impacts your personal life. Um, it's really hard to be swayed the wrong direction. Like you, you could hear a priest that's saying everything's going to be fine. It'd be like, no, I think everything's pointing to this is not good. Right. Because this is scripture is our standard. Like doesn't matter what other people are saying. Yeah. Scripture's our standard. And it's, it's really interesting that even people who would have sort of known the word, like We've we've been drawing attention to how many times God says, care for widows, care for orphans, care for the poor, care for the foreigner. This is actively not what the nation is doing. They are actively right. getting rich off of taking advantage of those lesser advantaged. And this is not new news to them. And and so you have this weird situation where you have people that definitely understand what God has asked them to do, but they are choosing not to do it. And then they're allowing these priests to tickle their ears <laughs> um, and say like, oh, I think it's fine. Yeah. So it it is... It has always been important and it remains important to study the word of the Lord, to know it well, so that you can understand the character of the Lord, so that you can worship him with everything that's in you. Right. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Right. Jeremiah 12, beginning in verse 1. Lord, you always give me justice when I bring a case before you. So let me bring this complaint. Why are the wicked so prosperous? Why are evil people so happy? You have planted them and they have taken root and prospered. Your name is on their lips, but you are far from their hearts. But as for me, Lord, you know my heart. You see me and test my thoughts. Drag these people away like sheep to be butchered. Set them aside to be slaughtered. How long must this land mourn? Even the grass in the fields has withered. The wild animals and birds have disappeared because of the evil in the land. For the people have said, the Lord doesn't see what's ahead of us. If racing against mere men makes you tired, how will you race against horses? If you stumble and fall on open ground, what will you do in the thickets near the Jordan? Even your brothers, members of your own family, have turned against you. They plot and raise complaints against you. Do not trust them, no matter how pleasantly they speak. I have abandoned my people, my special possession. I have surrendered my dearest ones to their enemies. My chosen people have roared at me like a lion in the forest, so I have treated them with contempt. My chosen people act like speckled vultures, but they themselves are surrounded by vultures. Bring on the wild animals to pick their corpses clean. Many rulers have ravaged my vineyard, trampling down the vines and turning all its beauty into a barren wilderness. They have made it an empty wasteland. I hear its mournful cry. The whole land is desolate and no one even cares. On all the bare hilltops, destroying armies can be seen. The sword of the Lord devours people from one end of the nation to the other. No one will escape. My people have planted wheat, but are harvesting thorns. They have worn themselves out, but it has done them no good. They will harvest a crop of shame because the fierce anger of the Lord. Now, this is what the Lord says. I will uproot from their land all the evil nations reaching out for the possession I gave my people Israel, and I will uproot Judah from among them. But afterward, I will return and have compassion on all them. I will bring them home to their own lands again, each nation to its own possession. And if these nations truly learn the ways of my people, and if they learn to swear by my name, saying, As surely as the Lord lives, just as they taught my people to swear by the name of Baal, then they will be given a place among my people. But any nation who refuses to obey me will be uprooted and destroyed. I, the Lord, have spoken. This is what the Lord said to me. Go and buy a linen loincloth and put it on, but do not wash it. So I bought the loincloth as the Lord directed me, and I put it on. Then the Lord gave me another message. Take the linen loincloth you are wearing and go to the Euphrates River. Hide it there in a hole in the rocks. So I went and hid it by the Euphrates River, just as the Lord had instructed me. A long time afterward, the Lord said to me, Go back to the Euphrates and get the loincloth I told you to hide there. So I went to the Euphrates and dug it out of the hole where I had hidden it. 
but now it was rotting and falling apart. The loincloth was good for nothing. Then I received this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord says. This shows how I will rot away the pride of Judah and Jerusalem. These wicked people refuse to listen to me. They stubbornly follow their own desires and worship other gods. Therefore, they will become like this loincloth, good for nothing. As a loincloth clings to a man's way, so I created Judah and Israel to cling to me, says the Lord. They are to be my people, my pride, my glory, and honor to my name, but they would not listen to me. So tell them, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, may all your jars be filled with wine. And they will reply, of course, jars are made to be filled with wine. Then tell them, no, this is what the Lord means. I will fill everyone in this land with drunkenness, from the king sitting on David's throne to the priests and the prophets, right down to the common people of Jerusalem. I will smash them against each other, even parents against children, says the Lord. I will not let my pity or mercy or compassion keep me from destroying them. Listen and pay attention. Do not be arrogant, for the Lord has spoken. Give glory to the Lord your God before it's too late. Acknowledge him before he brings darkness upon you, causing you to stumble and fall on the darkening mountains. You will find only terrible darkness and gloom. And if you still refuse to listen, I will weep alone because of your pride. My eyes will overflow with tears because the Lord's flock will be led away into exile. Say to the king and his mother, come down from your thrones and sit in the dust, for your glorious crowns will soon be snatched from your heads. The towns of the Negev will close their gates, and no one will be able to open them. The people of Judah will be taken away as captives. All will be carried into exile. Open your eyes and see the armies marching down from the north. Where is your flock, your beautiful flock, that he gave you to care for? What will you say when the Lord takes the allies you have cultivated and an appoints them as your rulers. Pangs of anguish will grip you like a woman in labor. You may ask yourself, why is all this happening to me? It's because of your many sins. That is why you've been stripped and raped by invading armies. Can an Ethiopian change the color of his skin? Can a leopard take away its spots? Neither can you start doing good, for you have always done evil. I will scatter you like chaff that is blown away in the desert wind. This is your allotment. The portion I have assigned to you, says the Lord. For you have forgotten me, putting your trust in false gods. I myself will strip you and expose you to shame. I have seen your adultery and lust and your disgusting idol worship out in the fields and on the hills. What sorrow awaits you, Jerusalem? How long before you're pure? This message came to Jeremiah from the Lord, explaining why he was holding back the rain. Judah wilts. Commerce at the city gates grinds to a halt. All the people sit on the ground in mourning, and a great cry rises from Jerusalem. The nobles send servants to get water, but all the wells are dry. The servants return with empty pitchers, confused and desperate, covering their heads in grief. The ground is parched and cracked for lack of rain. The farmers are deeply troubled. They too cover their heads. Even the doe abandons her newborn fawn because there is no grass in the field. The wild donkeys stand on the bare hills panting like thirsty jackals. They strain their eyes looking for grass, but there's none to be found. The people say, Our wickedness has caught up with us, Lord, but help us for the sake of our own reputation. We have turned away from you and sinned against you again and again. O hope of Israel, our Savior, in times of trouble, why are you like a stranger to us? Why are you like a traveler passing through the land, stopping only for the night? Are you also confused? Is our champion helpless to save us? You are right here among us, Lord. We are known as your people. Please don't abandon us now. So this is what the Lord says to his people. You love to wander far from me and do not restrain yourselves. Therefore, I will no longer accept you as my people. Now I will remember all your wickedness and will punish you for your sins. 
Then the Lord said to me, Do not pray for these people any more. When they fast, I will pay no attention. When they present their burnt offerings and grain offerings to me, I will not accept them. Instead, I will devour them with war, famine, and disease. Then I said, O sovereign Lord, their prophets are telling them, All is well, no war or famine will come. The Lord will surely send you peace. Then the Lord said, These prophets are telling lies in my name. I did not send them or tell them to speak. I did not give them any messages. The prophecy of visions and revelations they have never seen or heard. They speak foolishness made up in their own lying hearts. Therefore, this is what the Lord says, I will punish these lying prophets, for they have spoken in my name even though I never sent them. They say that no war or famine will come, but they themselves will die by war and famine. As for the people to whom they prophesy, their bodies will be thrown out in the streets of Jerusalem, victims of famine and war. There will be no one left to bury them. Husbands, wives, sons, and daughters, all will be gone, for I will pour out their own wickedness on them. Now, Jeremiah, say this to them, Night and day my eyes overflow with tears. I cannot stop weeping. For my virgin daughter, my precious people, has been struck down and lies mortally wounded. If I go out in the fields, I see the bodies of people slaughtered by the enemy. If I walk the city streets, I see people who have died of starvation. The prophets and priests continue with their work, but they don't know what they're doing. Lord, have you completely rejected Judah? Do you really hate Jerusalem? Why have you wounded us past all hope of healing? We hoped for peace, but no peace came. We hoped for a time of healing, but found only terror. Lord, we confess our wickedness and all the sins of our ancestors too. We have sinned against you. For the sake of your reputation, Lord, do not abandon us. Do not disgrace your own glorious throne. Please remember us and do not break your covenant with us. Can any of the worthless foreign gods send us rain? Does it fall from the sky by itself? No, you are the one, O Lord our God. Only you can do such things, so we will wait for you to help us. Then the Lord said to me, Even if Moses and Samuel stood before me pleading for these people, I would not help them. Away with them. Get them out of my sight. And if they say to you, But where can we go? Tell them. This is what the Lord says. Those who are destined for death to death. Those who are destined for war to war. Those who are destined for famine to famine. Those who are destined to captivity to captivity. I will send four kinds of destroyers against them, says the Lord. I will send the sword to kill, the dogs to drag away, the vultures to devour, and the wild animals to finish up what is left. Because of the wicked things Manasseh, son of Hezekiah, king of Judah, did in Jerusalem, I will make my people an object of horror to all kingdoms of the earth. Who will feel sorry for you, Jerusalem? Who will weep for you? Who will even bother to ask how you are? You have abandoned me and turned your back on me, says the Lord. Therefore, I will raise my fist to destroy you. I am tired of always giving you another chance. I will winnow you like grain at the gates of your cities and take away the children you hold dear. I will destroy my own people because they refuse to change their evil ways. There will be more widows than the grains of sand on the seashore. At noontime, I will bring a destroyer against the mothers of young men. I will cause anguish and terror to come upon them suddenly. The mother of seven grows faint and gasps for breath. Her son has gone down while it's still day. She sits childless now, disgraced and humiliated, and I will hand over those who are left to be killed by the enemy. I, the Lord, have spoken. Then I said, What sorrow is mine, my mother? Oh, that I died at birth. 
I am hated everywhere I go. I am neither a lender who threatens to foreclose nor a borrower who refuses to pay. Yet they all curse me. The Lord replied, I will take care of you, Jeremiah. Your enemies will ask you to plead on their behalf in times of trouble and distress. Can a man break a bar of iron from the north or a bar of bronze? At no cost to them. I will hand over your wealth and treasures as plunder to your enemies. For sin runs rampant in your land. I will tell your enemies to take you as captives to a foreign land, for my anger blazes like a fire that will burn forever. Then I said, Lord, you know what's happening to me. Please step in and help me. Punish my persecutors. Please give me time. Don't let me die young. It's for your sake that I'm suffering. When I discovered your words, I devoured them. They are my joy and my heart's delight, for I bear your name, O Lord God of heaven's armies. I never joined the people in their merry feasts. I sat alone because your hand was on me. I was filled with indignation at their sins. Why then does my suffering continue? Why is my wound so incurable? Your help seems as uncertain as a seasonal brook, like a spring that has gone dry. This is how the Lord responds. If you return to me, I will restore you so you can continue to serve me. If you speak good words rather than worthless ones, you will be my spokesman. You must influence them. Do not let them influence you. They will fight against you like an attacking army, but I will make you as secure as a fortified wall of bronze. They will not conquer you, for I am with you to protect you and rescue you. I, the Lord, have spoken. Yes, I will certainly keep you safe from the hands of these wicked men. I will rescue you from their cruel hands. Hey guys, this is Ryan, and I hope you are getting a lot out of God's whole story. Uh, It means a lot to us even as we are reading through God's Word every single day in the order that it happened. Um, If you want to go ahead and follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at God's Whole Story Podcast. Uh, We would love it if you would share this thing with your friends or people that you know, or just share what's sticking out to you. Uh, You can either send us a DM, or you could actually email us at podcasts at worshipcenter.org. You can email us if you have any questions, if something stuck out to you, if you'd like us to pray for you. And if you want a Bible, if you don't have one right now, or if you want a copy of the one that we're using to go through God's whole story, we'd be happy to send that to you. So go ahead and reach out to us in any way that you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.